This is a new episode of my podcast, Say It As It Is. I'm Andreas Riese, and my guest today is Uli Mona. Uli is 65 years old. He lives in the beautiful city of, uh, of Interlaken in Switzerland. He is a apprenticeship, he made an apprenticeship for electronics. He was a cabin cabinet maker and he had some experience in audio studios. In the year of 1993, he dislocated to the USA in order to take on some important tasks he would like to talk about. Later on in the interview, we will also uh, go for the for the the topic of hemp and if we still have time we'll talk about the current pandemics and the fear that is going on willie welcome to the show yeah thank you nice to have you so how is it in interlaken well cold and rainy right now cold and rainy okay but it's nearby the, the highest mountains in in Switzerland, right? Well, pretty much, yes. What what feelings do you have when you think about your hometown? Well, feels like it is my home, and always felt like, you know, when I've been abroad for a long time and come back. There is a certain limit where, where you pass that threshold, you kind of start to get the feeling from being back home again. It's quite interesting. Okay, can you specify that a bit? Yeah, you come down with rain from Spiez, uh, Faulensee, and then you see the lake and you start to see the Bödeli. Interlaken and the surrounding, that's about the place where it hits you. Wow, okay. I know it's also a great region for a touristic industry, right? Yeah, very much. What, what are these activities people, people are looking for in your region? Well, a lot of outdoor activities. You know, there are a lot of outdoor companies offering like Plenty different things from canyoning to bungee jumping and uh, paragliding and um, whatever you want, you know, pretty much. Okay. Sounds interesting. So you made your, your uh, first time of your life you spent in this region, right? I was born here, yes. You were born there, okay. So, and you you mentioned to me in the year of 1993, you dislocated to the United States. Right, yes. Uh, tell me about that. What made you make this decision? And why did you leave this beautiful site in Switzerland? Well, it wasn't actually meant to be for a long time. It was meant to be for three months or so because I was working on a project for an American guy and uh, I built some housings for um, 
the so-called I-Station uh, information kiosk. And when I was done with it, I shipped them over. And after that, I was asked to uh, go and um, do the system integration for them for this uh, prototype line. And um, I did that, and then that just kept me for another while. Okay. And, and where was that in the States? Well, the headquarters were in San Francisco. And then, you know, after that, uh, they started the manufacturing. And this was up in Minneapolis. And uh, this was kind of the second episode where, where they sh uh, sent me up to Minneapolis to take care of some little problem, which turned out to be uh, a major problem. It kept me busy for about three years to get everything going up there. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you first lived in San Francisco and then you went over to Minneapolis. Right. Well, and then after that, I went back to San Francisco then for a couple of years. How, how would you describe the difference between these two cities to live in? Well, it's uh, quite different, actually. Um, you could say San Francisco is more like easygoing, Mediterranean. Um, and up in Minneapolis, this is more like a European city in a way, you know. Uh, at least there are a lot of Europe European people up there from their inheritance, like, you know, the Swedish, the Germans, whatever you want. Okay. And uh, after working hours, what were your subjects doing? Yeah, did you have any hobbies or did you do any sports or what did you do? Well, there wasn't much time left, actually. You know, I worked very long hours. It was usually just time to go eat something and then hit the sack. Um, I did a couple things. I took a couple lessons um, for the private pilot's license that I never finished because the company I um, checked in with got broke after a couple hours and, and then I, all my money was spent for that. And <laughs> Yeah, it was quite a story. Okay. So you would say uh, it was quite an adventure, right? Yeah, you know, this is like still Wild West. You know, they uh, make people pay for, for things they can never fulfill, you know, and they already know they will go broke and uh, still take the money. That was kind of interesting to watch. So would you say it's, it was, maybe it still is much less regulated than like in Europe or in Switzerland, this kind of things? No, I wouldn't say this couldn't happen around here, you know, but um, the carelessness is kind of, that was kind of surprising to me. All right. 
How did you get along with the American fellow? The American people in general? Yes. Oh, very good, actually. You know, they're... I mean, they're still very much European, most of them. Mm-hmm. Is there a kind of prototype? Would you be able to make a prototyping of the American average person? No, that you can't just average it out. You know, the, that's the most diverse country I think I've ever visited. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, we are not very uh, aware of this fact here that uh, we always talk about the United States, but as you said, it's it, actually, it's a continent by itself, right? Yeah, people think uh, of, his, of it as a monolithic block somehow, but this is uh, as far away from the truth as you can go, you know? I mean, yeah. there's all walks of life over there, really. Yeah. But do you think people are uh, more free than here in Europe, the way they can live their own lives? Well, I don't know how it is right now, but uh, when I was over there in the 90s, I think just from the idea, you know, of what life is, they have a much um, different approach, you know. Like one of the major things that I observed was they're usually quite positive, you know, against their kids, for instance. Mm -hmm. They encourage their kids. And around here, they usually, parents stop their kids, you know, whatever the little guys do, stop, don't do, don't do this, you know. And in the States, it's completely the opposite. Really? Well, that's that's interesting. Yeah, uh, how do you like the food there over there? Uh, very much so. The uh, big diversity. You know, San Francisco, for instance, you can go and eat pretty much anything you like. Yeah. Uh, in pretty much in any big city, you can do that. Okay, so it's it's not this stereotypic picture we might have here, like USA is just fast food and, and nothing else. Not at all. It, it may be true for some groups, you know, but if, if you have a little money to spend, you can live like a king. Okay. Okay, Uli, tell me, please. So you were, you spent there for about five years, right? Yeah, five and a half, and I was there before for a couple months at an installation, and uh, we went there for a couple shows and stuff. So overall, I've been there at least six years. Thank you. And what made you come back. Did, didn't you intend to stay there forever for the rest of your life? Actually, I had no intention one or the other way, really. I just 
kind of let it happen. And you know, the company I worked for was a startup for all this time and it never got over the hump. And so at some point I just, um, you know, said, uh, well, I, I didn't work for them for, for a while before I, I returned back home. And, and then um, I just kind of felt, well, I want to go back home, you know, okay. for different reasons, actually. And then you arrived back in Interlaken. Yeah. And how was it coming back after six years? From this, uh, from well, this uh, United States coming back to little Switzerland. One thing I observed is when I went over there, the dollar seemed like uh, toy money to me, you know. I also um, had quite a good salary and so I didn't need to watch the, the spending so much, you know. So it felt like time on it, and it took like a couple of years for me to kind of acknowledge it as a, a regular currency, you know, as funny as this sounds. And then when I came back home, the same thing happened again. <laughs> With this friend, really. <laughs> Can you imagine? That's like an experience. Uh, you had it twice, but... I say normal people don't even have it once in their lifetime, right? Well, maybe, you know. <laughs> well, that's, oh. That was a really strange feeling, you know. You, you had, um, you kind of lost the relationship to what exactly it's worth and how much it takes to buy this or that, you know. And then, you know, you come back a couple of years later and uh, things are quite different. No, that's very interesting. It shows me like uh, that money is... Uh, just an idea backed up by confidence and it, it's so much significance behind it, you know. Yeah, and, you know, it's just an agreement. Yeah, that's right. All the people. Thank you for that. Let's, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, I know you, you're, a, uh, you're a guy who, who smokes hemp from time to time, like I did in my early days. And, uh, but you also understand the whole philosophy about, behind it. Would you like to comment on that one? Uh -huh. On the philosophy? <laughs> yeah, well, what I it's all about, you know? I think hemp is more than just the pot for smoking, right? Well, it's an old cultural plant. It's a healing plant. It heals quite a lot of things if you apply it properly. Cancer, amongst other things. Really? Yeah. How would you How would you apply that? Like somebody has cancer, you, you give him a pot to smoke or what? No, no. Use uh, etheric oils or cold pressed oils or you know the different things. You can do very. Um, very clean substances. And I, I um, once had a little strange thing on, on my head, um, you know, 
some strange brown bump that's kept getting bigger and bigger. It was kind of crummy. And um, I made some hemp oil with um, alcohol extraction and applied it for maybe three months or so, and then this thing was gone. Okay. And do you think it was because of that? Yeah, most definitely. Okay. Well, it kept growing before, you know, and uh, when I started applying it, it started to kind of shrink back in again until it was completely gone. Okay. And uh, what, what's the story of hemp? I heard it's it's like a it's a it's a very very old plant, and it it was used like in early times. It was used for making clothing and and all kind of things, you know. Can you say something about that one? It was used for a lot of things. Uh, all the ropes, you know, for, for the boats earlier on. When they had wars, they went and burned each other's hemp, uh, hemp fields as really? a strategic uh, damage, you know. Yeah. And um, in later times, you know, when they started to build the, the first cars, they made um, the parts that are now out of sheet metal, out of hemp, some kind of uh, compound, like they make compounds with carbon fiber nowadays. And it was as tough, you could almost not kill it, you know. I once seen a video <clears throat> where a guy hit a fender with a sledgehammer as hard as he could and it just delved in a little bit and came back out and you couldn't see any damage really and then you know the steel industry came and said oh we want to make this money so uh, so much for hemp at this point you know there are other things on the way I just heard the story about uh, like the the paper industry, you know, they used to make paper for newspapers out of hemp. And then the, the, the wood industry came in and said, now we are going to take over this industry and we produce paper from wood. Yeah, and what I've heard is uh, that the paper from hemp is even more durable. Okay. And you can smoke it at least, you know. <laughs> if know. you have, when you have read the newspaper, you can smoke it. You know? <laughs> well, but there are other things, you know. Um, earlier on, uh, hemp was used as a medicine for for a lot of things, and you know, the pharma industry um, worked feverishly on getting it out of the books and putting their uh, stuff in there. And they went as far as try to make it illegal pretty much over the whole planet, you know. And uh, I think we're just kind of starting to recover from that. Yeah. Like so many other things they did, they banned in the past, you know, over the time, you know, that wasn't their interest. Well, yeah, yes, and you know they always tell us something, and in the, in in the back they do something completely different. You know, like it's yeah. not help 
for you and whatever they they tell us it uh, you know how they take care of us and uh, on the other side they make money yeah. and some other stuff which is kind of not so economic you know and um pollutes more and all these things you know but they don't give a shit you know? yeah that's right that brings me to my third topic tell me all about cds cds what is well, that it started with mms Uh, most people probably know MMS and Jim Humble and his journey in the jungle and uh, malaria and, you know, people almost dying. And he just gave them some MMS, basically. And they stood up after a short while and walked back out. So it started and then he promoted this MMS stuff. And... Um, Basically what it is, it's uh, natrium chloride and um, some acid you mix. And then um, what they did is they let it react for a while and then they drank it, you know, as they solved, you know, they put a little water to it and drank the whole thing. Which, in my opinion, is quite gross. And it, it was really gross to drink. I tried it a couple times myself. And then... <clears throat> When I started to make CDS, I looked at the bottle uh, of natrium chloride and it's only 80% pure and all the rest is some mineral salts, you know. And people who drank all this MMS drank all this stuff along with it. And I don't think this can be healthy, really. I just had a colleague um his girlfriend did it for a while and she felt really miserable after a while so i gave him some cds now i explain what cds is you know they they wanted to give mms to cows at the farm where they had a lot of calls with uh for the doctors for antibiotics and stuff and then um The cows didn't appreciate MMS too much, like nobody actually did. So they asked uh, some guys if there was another way to, way to apply it. And then they found Andreas Kalker and some other guy who we don't know who it is because he doesn't want to be public. But Kalker is a microbiologist, if I'm right. And he just made a simple uh, process to capture the, um, the gas in, into cold water. And basically, so it's very pure, you know, if you have the reaction and gases out, um, then it, it gets all captured in the cold water and, and you get the CDS. May I just say, uh, Andreas Kalker, isn't he the guy who... Who got banned by YouTube? Um, haven't really heard of it, but I could very well imagine that, yes. I, I heard the story. Uh, recently somebody said my my channel was was shadow banned by YouTube because I mentioned Andreas Kalker. Oh really? There, yes. I heard it two days ago. You'll be the next one then. Yes.
Um, no, I mean, he's great. He had some great um, speeches, you know, on YouTube. And probably you have to go to BitChute now to, to hear it. But um, basically, he's in the process of approving it as a medicine because it's not approved as medicine. It's only approved as a pharmaceutical agent or whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. They already use it for a long time, you know, it's known in, in pharmacy. And they're very careful, you don't get any natrium chloride over the table, you know, but you, so you can buy it, so you can make the, the CDS yourself. And when you try to buy it, they will tell you how dangerous it is and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever they can come up with. But what is this CDS good for? Well, you know, the first idea or of the first thing we knew from the MMS thing, it kills viruses, you know, the, the guys killed the malaria, malaria viruses. And um, so it, it kills pretty much everything you, you pick up, you know. And it's also very good disinfectant for uh, if you have an uh, injury on your skin, you just put a spray a little on and just leave it, you know, it heals pretty much instantly. And um, what Kalker found out also, it, it enhances the oxygen level on, you know, in your mit mitochondria. Okay. By quite a bit, you know, you don't even need to take so much in order to um, improve your oxygen availability quite significantly. Okay. Yeah, okay, I understand that that might give you additional energy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, especially in these days, huh, during coronavirus, might be very helpful to, to take it. Well, and once you know, you can kill every, any virus around, you know, and uh, this has actually been proven by a laboratory from the U.S. Army. I just, I've never heard, I've uh, seen the article, unfortunately, but I've seen a note of it, which is not much proof, I, I have to say, but I'm sure they know all about it. And... Um, I've heard from other sources that they actually use it in the army, you know? Okay. And so, you know, in medicine, I think pretty much everybody who knows a little bit about medicine knows what CDS is and that you can uh, solve, resolve any bacterial or any viral problem. So if once you know that, you know, you can pretty much see what they do in the hospitals, you know, what they, what they tell us with all these uh, resistant bugs and everything, which is a complete fucking nonsense, you know? I mean, sure, they have all kind of bugs, but there is also a, a solution to it. They just don't use it, you know? The same with COVID, the same with swine flu, the, swine, the same with any other thing, you know, once you have a bottle of CDS in your fridge, 
you can pretty much tell them to go and whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, before we're going to end here, uh, uh, what what uh, would you say to uh, to a guy like you who was 20 years old? Sorry, I just had a little audio interruption. Can you re repeat that? What would you say to yourself with Myself. All, all your experience when you were 20 years old? Oh, man. There are many things. Quite <laughs> 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 actually. Um, well, I don't want to go into that. This is just uh, too heavy. You know, give all the experience, basically. I don't know if it would help any, but you know, at least have some have some uh, conversation about things, you know, which rarely happens in this time, you know, they try to split young and old apart even more nowadays, you know, than it was earlier on. But even when I was young, you know, we didn't have much input from, from older people with, um, with actual wisdom, it was just don't do this, don't do that, you know, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something uh, society should enforce really much more, you know, that knowledge from the older people comes back to the young generations which is actually a, a thing I observed in the States, you know, with this higher and fire thing. It's basically the same, you know. I've seen CEOs fire guys who had pretty much the whole company knowledge in one department, you know, being fired from one minute to the other, walked out the door, And nobody else was there to take over, pretty much, you know? Uh -huh. And that's kind of how our society works, you know? Get rid of the old guys that are just yapping, you know, and they cost a lot. And let's get some new guys who still have power and don't say too much, you know? Yeah. As kind of degenerated stupidity, huh? On a society level. Well, it's culturated stupidity somehow, you know? Yeah. Well, Uli, that's a good point to end off. I thank you very much. It was very interesting to listen to you. Stay mm -hmm. tuned and uh, we'll see us again. All right. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye.